BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. My Family Thinks I'm Crazy, a podcast where I, your host, try to give you some tips on how you can explain all this weird, wild, crazy conspiracy stuff to the people you love most, because that's what I've been trying to do for the past 10 years with no success. I've been telling everybody that I give them in a shade. Like, oh, here we go, Mark. Off again with you. Mark being Mark again. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that's the thing about podcasts is when you're on the air, and it's like therapy, you know? If I can't talk to my family about this stuff, I'll talk to you, Matt, and all our listeners. Yeah. So, who are we talking about today, Matt? Divide Us is a project created by Shia LaBeouf, Ronco, and Turner. They installed a camera on a museum's wall in New York. This art installation that goes 24 hours where people go there and chant, he will not divide us. He will not divide us. It was a weird time, and that was a very bizarre reaction to the election. Nice art, retard. You fucking retard. <laughs> it got posted on a couple of different boards on 4chan. People were daring each other. If you're in that area, please go to that live stream and do something. People coming in from all over to troll the shit out of Shia. Get the fuck out! Get the fuck out! <laughs> 
When the internet sees you get overly sensitive about something, they're just going to keep on doing it. Hey, Shiloh, Hitler did nothing wrong. He put a camera out there to have people come and express themselves, and that's what he got. This dude is losing it, dude. He's losing it. Police were stationed around the museum 24 hours a day. It was insane. He ended up assaulting somebody else, and I think got arrested for that. It came from the museum that, all right, we're not hosting this anymore. There's going to be violence. And then all of a sudden, we turn on the stream. White wave and flag. He will not divide us. There were some footnotes on the bottom of the site. Undisclosed location. Oh, you're not going to tell us location? Challenge accepted. Now, there is absolutely one goal in mind for each party. Capture the flag or lose the flag. We really didn't have much to work with. All you need is one clue. I tried to do like this army, you know, this core of researchers and everything. We're going to find this thing. The point of the flag wasn't about protesting Donald Trump anymore. It was now just Turner and Shia versus 4chan. They had to do everything they could to win. You know, internet cakes. It was like a flag, you know? It's like, it's cash for the flag. It's a flag. I got a call from him asking if I would go down there and shake things up and be a agent provocateur type guy. No one knows that. I'm telling you, I'm telling you now because he owes me money. <laughs> Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. You just heard the trailer for the new film, The Dividers. And today we are talking to the man behind that film. His name is Josiah McGarvey. Thank you for tuning into this episode of the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast. I'm Mystic Mark. Enjoy this conversation with Josiah McGarvey. <clears throat> All right, ladies and gentlemen, here we are on the My Family Thinks Some Crazy podcast. And with me today is a very unique, interesting guest, sort of a departure from the, the guests we typically have on this show. Unlike uh, our previous guests who are writing books, this gentleman has put together an amazing film that I just watched. I thought it was uh, hilarious and surprising, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. Uh, the man behind The Dividers, Josiah, welcome to the show, brother. How are you? Good, thanks. Happy to be here. Right on. So... Let's get into this, man. I don't want to give too much away. Obviously, you know, when you're doing an interview about a film, we want to give people uh, just enough to go and watch it and not too much to, to give them the whole story here. But uh, how did this project occur to you? Were you a part of these 4chan message boards? Were you watching that live stream of the infamous uh, He Will Not Divide Us? And we're going to get a little bit into the specifics there, but how did you you know, come across this art project and, and what made you put this film together? Well, I think I came across it... Um, I remember seeing it when it first came out. I remember when Shia LaBeouf and his artist friends put together this art project, this live stream experimental art project, and they were chanting, 
he will not divide us. I remember seeing that come up on social media and that sort of thing. And I thought that was, you know, another one of the wacky, weird things that, that Shia LaBeouf was doing. I, I was always been a fan of Shia LaBeouf, you know, since watching Transformers as a, as a teenager. But I think when I really got interested in it, I didn't follow, I wasn't part of the trolling. I wasn't following it on Fortune or anything like that. But I really got interested in it, I think, when a lot of people did, which is when the most insane part of the story happened, which was the though he will not divide us flag incident. And that's when it all blew up. That's when everyone was right. All the vice, all the New York magazine and the New Yorker, the New York times, all, you know, all the big publications were covering it because of this insane um, flag heist that was, that was, um, that was orchestrated on 4chan and 8chan and all these, like with all the, by all these anonymous trolls. And so that, I think, and probably if anyone here, anyone listening here is familiar with the story, you likely saw the Internet Historian uh, video, which is the most famous one. It's like 10 million views or something like that, where he sort of breaks down the story of what happened on YouTube. And that is, I remember seeing that and seeing him put it all together, um, you know, connect the whole story together. And I just thought, wow, this is unlike anything I've ever heard before. I never have heard of a story like this before. This weird internet, like heist, trolling, practical joke. It was just like the perfect, um, this perfect mix of all these different elements. And and um, I, that was probably, when did that happen? 2017. I, it, I think the internet historian video even came out in 2017. And I was like, wow, this is like, it became immediately one of my favorite internet stories. And, but I never thought, oh, I'm going to do a documentary about this until um, until 2020. I, and the very end of 2020, I started working on a script because I just thought, I always thought, you know what? It would be so amazing if someone did a, did a, a proper documentary. You know, could someone find the trolls? Could someone find these anonymous, faceless people who pulled off this insane heist? Um, could they, you know, could we track them down and film them and go to the actual places where this happened and all this sort of thing. And I said, um, yeah. So I, I always wanted that to happen. I was like, well, no one's done it so far. And then I really felt like, um, all, if you look at all the publications, the angle of all the publications is totally negative towards the trolls. It's like, these guys took it too far or they're evil, they're Nazis, all this sort of thing. And I felt like the media's take was very much this got taken too far. And this is like a, a bad thing. This is like a, an evil act, uh, so to speak. And I thought if someone from like the mainstream decides to make a documentary about this, it's going to be exactly from that angle. You know, it's not from, from most of the fans of the story, they see it as like practical joke, like shenanigans, hijinks, rude jokes, edgy humor. And I thought if it, the main, anyone from the mainstream decides to make a documentary about it, it's going to be totally, um, it's going to be totally like uh, from a from an, a, a bad angle. And I thought I better make this a documentary on this before someone makes a documentary and ruins it. So, mm. so that was that was long story short. That was sort of um, where I came at it. And then I started working on it on a script and trying to track these guys down at the end of 2020. Yeah. Yeah, it's really fascinating, and you've, you've 
sort of pointed out something that I think is really important. We can maybe spend some time, you know, digesting this and why this is going on. But, you know, as you pointed out, the media's coverage of this uh, event, series of events, fell right in line with what it seems Luke Turner and uh, is her name not Nastya. Nastya. Yeah, those. Northern European names are difficult. Nastya yeah. <laughs> r- r- something and, and Shia LaBeouf, of course. And it seems like Luke is sort of, uh, you know, provoking this response or at least was mm-hmm. expecting this response. And I even went and took a look at his, uh, he calls it the Meta Modernist Manifesto that initially, mm-hmm. I guess, attracted him to LaBeouf and it it says right here in the third um the third point in his manifesto movement shall henceforth be enabled by way of an oscillation between positions with diametrically opposed ideas operating like the pulsating polarities of a colossal electric machine propelling the world into action and you see that going on in front of this yeah. camera you know two um you know mindsets in this very you know uh, turbulent time in american politics and you know everybody is clashing right there where you know putty in in his hands luke turner and shia mm-hmm. is like the magnet that brought them all there yeah yeah that's that is something that i found very interesting and we don't know for sure. Um, like the some of these um, some of these guys in, in in the documentary allege that Luke Turner was encouraging the trolling. And it seems like that there is some evidence for that. Um, like you can look at some certain certain tweets where he's. I think some have been deleted. You can find some screenshots somewhere. But it seems like he's he's at least at first inviting the trolling because it's like this. It is in line with this metamodernist, this weird um, something about um, some some line from the metamodernist manifesto is like s- sincerity, irony and sincerity at the same time or something like that. This like um, back and forth between irony and sincere and and um yeah it says I'll, I'll read it right now it says this is the final point he says we propose a pragmatic romanticism unhindered by ideological anchorage thus metamodernism shall be defined as the mercurial condition between and beyond irony and sincerity naivety and knowingness relativism and truth and goes on a little bit but it is funny you know to read this over and think about what Shia LaBeouf says you you have this in the film where he's like oh yeah you need like all this college education to understand his manifesto and I'm looking at this yeah. I'm not the smartest guy I could figure out what the hell this guy's trying to say you know but yeah, it, well it is I, it is a hard read I I read it and I, and it's very it's kind of you're like what the heck is it is it even talking about, but it is, if you, if you take that, that, you know, passage that you read and apply it, it does seem like that's what's happening with this ironic, like this, uh, the, that art piece, the he will not divide us art piece seemed like very sincere. The people who were part of it were very sincere. And then the, then the, um, the, um, the trolls. Yeah. 
was like totally ironic, you right. know, and people would go there and even say he will not divide us ironically. And so you have those two. So, so may, maybe the art piece, I think at the beginning, it would have been a successful metamodernist art piece because the whole thing would be the art piece mm. in, in theory, like the trolling would be part of the art piece because that's the ironic side and then the sincere side. So I don't know, like uh, it's, I, I would have loved to talk to him, him about it and interview him. I asked to interview him. He didn't, um, didn't want to do an interview. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it, the question is how much, how much of, that is true that was he was he doing a lot of encouraging from from behind the scenes people were aware that he was on the boards that everyone pretty much believed that he was on the boards and following it i think um but was he tr encouraging it you know did he pay sam hyde to go is that true or is that not true that's you know, that's the question. I'm not sure. Mm. Well, you never be too sure with a guy like Hyde. He uh, he is yeah. very tricky. I've actually, I haven't had him on this podcast, but I've booked him on a podcast I work for, Tinfoil Hat. And even there, he oh, he okay. was he was slippery through our hands. He's like a fish, <laughs> you know. But uh, yeah, very funny and and definitely the type of person that you can think of as like an antithesis to or uh, antithetical to uh, Shia LaBeouf, especially in 2016. You know, mm. Shia clearly was taking that. Uh, the way he felt about what was going on in the world very seriously. And, you yeah. know, it is interesting, you know, uh, his most recent project, it seems like he's kind of taken a step towards a more traditionalist lifestyle, becoming Catholic. And, you know, you kind of show how he spirals out uh, throughout this period of time. So it's interesting to see him uh, kind of be caught in the lap of, Catholicism and I I say this with maybe a little bit of a confirmation bias but it really feels like to me that Luke Turner is one of these uh, Ivy League types I don't know his background I actually trying to find his Wikipedia page if he has one to find out what school he went to but maybe I'm biased but I tend to think that these you know particularly when folks are yeah, he, he went to the Royal College of Art, of all places, a research university in London. So, yeah, I mean, to me, again, maybe I'm biased, maybe I'm jaded, I'm blue collar. I tend to think these types are, you know, sort of turning their nose on the the less fortunate masses, right? And they do these art projects with all this sort of uh, pontification, thinking that they're on these high horses of uh, of the generation and, and and inspiring us to this new wave of of you know consciousness. When really, you know, it's utter hypocrisy. I mean, these institutions are are in a sense responsible for the chaos we see in the modern world so yeah it's mm. it's definitely you know my personality type makes me think okay this luke turner guy he's a mastermind he's sinister and hyde even kind of hints at that at one point in, in yeah. your interview with him which i'm sure wasn't easy to get but uh when it comes to to luke turner i know you haven't uh, had the chance to speak with him outside of uh, maybe an exchange on email w what do you what do you make of a guy like him i mean is he just trying to be like a provocateur and get his name out there or or do you think he has a a, a group he's working for i mean what's his inspiration 
I, I don't know too much about Luke. Um, I think... Like it's it's funny that you bring up like like the type of art that he's um, he so the so art so the art sphere that he's involved in this sort of uh, experimental performance uh, this sort of thing I like I'm Australian and it's like our culture it, it's a very typical Australian thing to be very skeptical of this type of highbrow you know, artsy fartsy. So you'd get along with us New Englanders. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're very much like, yeah. What do you like? Oh, you know, this, this whole thing, like you've got to go and study at the Royal college of art Mm -hmm. in order to, you wouldn't get it. You wouldn't get the art. You wouldn't get how profound and amazing this art is. unless you went to like the university that I went to, which you would never be allowed into because you're not rich enough. So that, I think um, overeducated. I I find that kind of um, that whole art sphere kind of silly, mm. um, you know that kind of art. And I don't know, like, yeah, I don't know. I think he's a he's a, I think he's just a rich art art kid, and I grew up rich kid and went to um, university. And they say, well, you know, nowadays I. I think if you go to university with um, to do art, they say, well, you can, you know, all this modern art where they like put a, they duct tape a banana to a piece of paper <laughs> and put that on the wall and sell it for $20 million. And, and people go, um, oh, wow, it's so deep, you know, or they just like put a toilet there, you yeah. know, a toilet yeah. on display. Oh, and yeah. You know, wow, that's so deep. It really, what is this about? Well, this, it just says so much about capitalism, doesn't it? It just seems so. Um, <laughs> Full of itself. It so, oh, totally pointless. Like when you get to the, uh, it's like a trend. And when you get to the end of your life and you look at the art that you did, you just think, what can I do? <laughs> you know, people used to have to be able to paint something really beautiful or, you know, have to actually produce something. Um, so I'm very skeptical of this um, uh, postmodern art where anything can be art. You can stand in front of a live stream camera and say, they, you know, the, they had done a series. I'm not sure if if, uh, if the listeners know about Shia LaBeouf and his art. All those weird things that he was doing was in collaboration with these other artists. And they had gone to like a movie theater and watched his movies back to back. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like that's supposed to be art. Uh, you know, they, he rode an elevator. He went to Cambridge. I think it was Cambridge in London and rode an elevator up and down all day, you know, or he, mm. um, you know, put a bag over his head and said, I'm not famous anymore. You know, is that art? Is that really art? It seems like it seems to like low effort. It, well, low effort, but it also seems sort of ritualistic and you make the comparison or, mm. or Sam maybe makes this comparison that, uh, this Luke Turner guy is just trying to sort of copy uh, Marina Abramovich, and uh, around yeah. that same time period, there was a whole lot of talk from the same 4chan community about these, you know, satanic elite pedophiles and Podesta yeah, and yeah, yeah, Marina Abramovich yeah. with the spirit cooking. So, I mean, for here on this show, it's not far fetched to to suggest all that. And uh, 
And it, I do love the way you guys kind of make the comparison because mm-hmm. shot for shot, it's exactly the same art. I mean, it, like, it, yeah. it's so weird yeah. how they just kind of were like, oh, yeah, this is our thing now. But the elevator thing, that's a ritual. I, I had a guy on the show recently who was talking about how elevators have all this symbolism connected to them. And, really? And, yeah. So Tell I, me a bit about that. That's so interesting. So you remember probably that viral clip about the Elias Salam girl and how she was in the elevator she did all this kind of ghost weird yeah. stuff and she ends up yeah. in the in the pool above the hotel and that hotel was haunted and whatnot but uh around that time people started looking into elevators and like what's going on with this could this be a ritual mm. and there was a movie by m night Shyamalan that has a, a sort of demonic elevator that is pa- basically yeah. like the main you know plot of the film it all revolves around this elevator and Sure enough, elevators, you know, have this lore connected to Freemasonry where, you know, they were used to go to the underworld, right? And, you know, what's in the underworld? <laughs> you know, uh, yeah. bad things, right? I mean, it's also a place where you get minerals and you go mining. You know, they sort of mm-hmm. invented the elevator out of necessity, but you find out that uh, these groups like the Freemasons and others worship underground they held ceremonies underground so elevators Mm. may be a sort of vehicle or symbolic of that journey into the underworld so to speak Mm. which is interesting really interesting i never thought about his art having any sort of like um spiritual element to it well considering the, the the Marina abramovich connection i thought i'd never heard that before and then sam hyde said, yeah, he copies Marina Abramovich. And I was like, really? And then I started looking up all this. I found some articles that there had been some other art critics mm. who had um, criticized the the uh, Shia and Luke and, and Nastya for doing that very thing. And I was like, oh, okay, so this is something people in the art world have noticed. Um, and I know Marina Abramovich has like a very spiritual element to her work right um but i didn't i i my when i was doing the research i I just thought she's the most famous the most famous performance art uh, performing arts person um performing arts is that what it's called sure yes i I don't know if i'm getting the name yeah that's how i've heard it in that type of art in that type of art she's the most famous one so i thought well who are you going to copy if if you're going to copy someone Mm. it seems like pretty yeah, I wonder. Can they, I wonder now? I'm trying to think. Is there any other of these artworks that he did that had like a spiritual element to it? I well, guess when the you humiliation ritual. Yeah, well, yeah, and I was going to point that out. Anytime you put a mask in, in a situation, it sort of symbolizes like a letting go of your identity, which would go in line mm. with the kind of underworld thing. And I mean, if you think about it, that all preceded uh, for the first time in history, uh, a movement of people having being forced to wear masks. Right. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how that, you know, bodes as far as Luke Turner's concerned, whether he had that in mind i i don't believe that but you know when it comes to this uh this type of art it definitely seems to be ritualistic and then you know it's not like uh shia labeouf went and went to his hometown catholic church and converted he became a catholic through the dominican friars right or the franciscan monks mm. right one of one of the yeah. two 
And that's a, that's not your average Catholic group. I mean, those guys go back, they're connected to a lot of this ritualistic occult stuff. So not to take oh, us too really? far down on a tangent, but there may be, uh, you know, room for a sequel here, uh, depending on how this Padre Pio movie comes out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been wanting to watch it. Did you, did you see, because everyone, everyone, the conversion of Shia to Catholicism, that was everywhere for a week or two. Mm -hmm. Everyone was talking about it, but there was just recently he's, he's been in this new film called, um, Megalopolis or something. Megalopolis. There's a new film. I think it's a remake of an old classic movie and he's playing a Greek goddess in drag like a drag role wow. and people, people are pointing out this is strange. It's strange for someone to, who just had this very um, public conversion here. Let me put it in the chat here. Uh, chat. I'll put this link here. So it's, it's interesting that he had this very public conversion to a to a very traditional form of Catholicism because he talked about the Latin mass which is which is controversial I I, I understand that's even controversial amongst Catholics mm. as being as being seen as a very traditional amongst the Catholic Church so he has this conversion with the Latin mass and these um, very traditional guys and then the, the next that's after his that's after his movie role right? with Padre Pio, and then the next one he's in, he's playing this drag goddess, and people think that's a bit weird because that's like going, maybe is that going in the opposite direction? Are people reading into it? I don't know. What do you think? Wow. I'm looking at these images right now, and for folks uh, listening at home, I mean, he does not look like himself. He kind of looks like, uh, uh, what's her name? Princess Leia from Star Wars. And uh, yeah, dressed up like this Greek goddess. But to me, what it kind of put in my head is he's kind of going through the major arcana of the tarot. Because if you think about it, we have the first three cards in the tarot deck are the fool, the magician, and the high priestess, right? In the first you know, installment of his art, you know, he was kind of made the fool, you know, in the second with this whole dividers, he was kind of like a magician, right? He was kind of orchestrating, or maybe you can consider him a fool there. And then the priest, I mean, a priest is kind of analogous to a magician in a certain extent. He wears robes and, you know, these, these, so, and now he's a high, and now he's a high priestess and he's dressed like a woman. So, I mean, I, I'm just kind of spitballing here, but if he plays an empress and then an empire emperor next, then he's kind of going through the, the major arcana of the tarot cards. That's very interesting. I don't know really anything about tarot, but that is, well, you know, I, know they, they, I remember that film came out, um, what was it, Night of Cups or whatever? And then mm. I was like, oh, are these Hollywood guys into tarot or something? Oh, yeah. Well, you know, what's interesting is the art community and the film community all come out of this same occult milieu because, you know, I mean, obviously art transcends this time period. It's existed since humans have have drawn and written things down but as far as our modern art movements they a lot of the the threads come from this theosophy uh the super um what do they call it the spiritualist movements of the 1800s when people were you know doing these sort of things more publicly um 
So, yeah, I, I wonder if, if there's something going on with Shia where he's like, okay, I'm going to become an artist and this is how I'm going to do it. I'm going to like go through the tarot cards because in a sense, that is the intention of the tarot card deck is to like show phases like the fool becomes the magician who becomes the high priestess mm. who becomes. So there there is a logic to that. And yeah, tarot cards are certainly a part of that art world. Yeah, yeah. What what's the thing? Do you know the thing about? I remember when you when you uh, like I remember years ago going late night uh, YouTube back before <laughs> before the uh, all the weird videos were purged from YouTube and you'd go in and they would explain all the Illuminati stuff and something that kept coming up was like humiliation rituals was something mm. that you know um, was part of the whole Illuminati thing, right? Uh, but this because because Shia did go through this intense hum- humiliation, which he talks about, which was this um, uh, abuse allegations in his previous relationships, and that he lost all his gigs, and mm. that and he was sort of off the rails as a result of that, right? Um, for for quite a while until he got this gig playing Padre Pio, mm. and now he's back doing another one, so. I don't know. Is that, does that ring any bells for you? Like, does that connect with anything? Yeah, I would, I would say that seems to be the theme with these celebrities is that before they, you know, have some sort of great opportunity, typically it's with people who are, you know, nobodies who then get rushed into stardom right at the front and center. Uh, But I, I think it probably works the same way with a guy like Shia LaBeouf, uh, who's you know been sort of uh, taken out of the Hollywood limelight, and they're like, okay, you know, you've you've been humiliated. The the world thinks of you as this. Now you're even more a part of us. You know, like you're 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 not a part of them anymore. And it's sort of like separating uh, people from their community in a way, and and giving them this new community instead. Like now you work for us, so sort of thing. Like yeah, uh, yeah. you know, getting jumped into a gang or being initiated into any organization, right? I think that's how these these groups work. I wouldn't be the expert on the whole Illuminati, you know, this and that. I think some of those videos tend to be a little bit, uh, you know, exaggerative, you know, to say the yeah, least. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but there is some truth to like the occult aspects of what the art world and the film industry present to us you know there's a lot of truth to that and i think these people uh you know they feel like magicians in a certain extent because they you know they take this something that's essentially you know i mean movies cost tons of money to make but you take an idea and turn it into a commodity you know you turn it into a valuable Mm -hmm. product i think they think of themselves as magicians right they're casting these visions for people to absorb they're telling stories that Mm -hmm. people live their lives through you know in a way there there's an inherently magical perspective and even with an actor you know they're taking on the role of this character it's like it's role play it's it's what people's have done you know in a spiritual context for thousands of years yeah yeah that's 
That's wild. It is, and it's movie magic, right? Mm. Movie magic, they call it. So mm, right. that makes sense. Well, and you're, you're kind of a little bit a part of that. I think documentaries uh, are, are a little more honest and transparent, but there's a magic to uh, documentaries. I should take that last statement back. Your documentary is transparent and honest. Not all documentaries are transparent and honest. Um, and I, Thank you. It is a trip, you know, to see this camera i mean it's it's like your typical you know to take people back to the movie and and where it kind of takes place at first you're in brooklyn on this line i've been in new york city my sister lived mm. or it maybe it was queens uh, but my sister lived in uh queens for a while and it's an interesting place to be i mean i'm sure you went there since you, you made this mm. film i mean it's a kind of place where you have you know people from all walks of life, all different perspectives, all different opinions. So you'd expect a kind of clash like that to maybe take place in New York City. But then they go and they they move it to Albuquerque and the same yeah. thing happens, right? And, yeah. it, and it, it kind of showed people like, hey, no matter where you are in the world, you know, we're all kind of united now. We've got the internet, yeah. we've got each other and... There are factions, but I think, you know, the the irony, the humor perspective won uh, over the, you know, sensitive crybabies who, you know, took a <laughs> took a loss and kind of tried to rewrite history. I mean, they, they tried to rewrite the scorecard with those news articles, you know, and, and call yeah. everybody Nazis. But I, I mean... I don't want, again, if if we're putting anything out and you want me to edit anything out, if it's like a giveaway, just let me know. This isn't live. Uh, but the milkman aspect of it, I thought was hilarious because yeah. you actually sat down with the uh, the guy who kind of, you know, turned this into a meme where milk is associated yeah. with racism. And, you know, this guy was, you know, he seemed like a nice guy. I don't want to talk you know insult the guy but he was talking out of his ass i mean i've met people like that yeah. they just kind of are floating in the wind and they say whatever feels yeah. best right and he he yeah. read as that kind of character and you know one little comment about you know a guy drinking milk for no reason spiraled into this whole like orgy of like people pouring milk on each other and being like yeah well yeah. you know white pride and all this i mean really kind of uh obviously it was done in an ironic sense but from out of context, you know, you could see that and be like, oh, my gosh, these, you know, white guys are, are crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. I find it so fascinating that it, that was one of my favorite parts of it. You know, this milk meme, if anyone remembers that, it was like um, it was it, like the New York Times wrote a huge op ed. Like that was the most insane thing you can go. You can go if you Google like New York Times milk, mm. white supremacist drinking milk right. or something like that. And you just think, how can how how can we be living in a, in a society where the New York Times, probably the most famous newspaper, it's the oldest newspaper in the United States, right? I think. Uh, I think it's the longest running. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you have the most like the most well known prestigious newspaper in the world is being just totally taken for a ride by these young guys who are pretending that, you know, they're drinking milk as a joke and pretending that it's racist because they're like, it's just, it's uh yeah, that is just totally. And how, and then that becomes the national, you know, I think if you go to um, the, I think it's the ADL or the SP, Southern poverty laws, one mm. of those, one of those websites has a list of hate symbols 
and um, <laughs> now milk is listed as a hate symbol. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and people were putting it in their bio. <laughs> it's like a, uh, it's like a dog whistle with the with the milk. Uh, like ha- that was m- the most fascinating thing. How can something like that uh, shape the national conversation about, around racism? And yeah, it's it's. Um, I think because all these guys wanted to, going back to the religious aspect, because there was this weird religious element to um, to the chanting, you know, chanting, that sort of reverent chanting, and Shia LaBeouf would stand there and rock back and forth with his eyes closed and chanting very reverently. And you'd have people, there was, there's this one clip, it didn't make in the documentary, where Paperboy shows up to the to the live stream before anyone gets there, and there's cigarette butts on the ground. And he starts picking up cigarette butts and trash and uh, throwing them away in the garbage. And he's like, you know, we've got to, this is a sacred space. We have to keep it clean. That's what he says to the camera. And and the, I thought, wow, that's so fascinating. They, like, they're, they're treating this art project as like l- literally sacred, a sacred space. And the, so that was like one that was one approach. And then the, the trolls, it was just totally the opposite. Like everything that is considered sacred, everything that is considered off limits is um, like you've, we've got a totally, I, I, I remember hearing on, uh, on, on um, someone put it this way. It's like killing sacred cows. Every like four chain is about killing sacred cows, all the sacred cows. And so, you know, your race, oh, your race is for drinking milk. Like a normal person would be like, oh, oh my, really? This is racist? I'm drinking this milk that's racist? But um, these 4chan guys were like, well, yeah, well, I'm going to drink milk more <laughs> because it's going to piss you off because it's going to disrespect your sacred cow of, of drinking milk. Um yeah, it's it's interesting to see. Yeah, what what like what's going on in the, in the minds of these people that make them just want to want to have kill every sacred cow. Yeah, it does. It does feel like you know one point it, when you're you know talking to some of these self-identified trolls, uh, the the phrase transgressive nihilism comes up and i'm wondering you know what are your thoughts on that i mean in this story the trolls honestly they they're not the bad guys as the media you know plays them out to be but uh but you know it does seem like deep at the core of whatever's going on with these people is is like you know not to fall into that narrative of mental wellness and all this mental health bullshit Mm -hmm. but it does feel like they have this kind of jaded view of the world and it, it's born out yeah. of being kind of isolated in these internet communities. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's very, that is, I think, the key to understanding what's going on. And I think it speaks to a larger trend in the United States. And and if you understand, like, the mindset of these guys, it, you really understand why that they were doing what they were doing. Because you have this, have you heard of this concept called NEAT? NEAT, No. Yeah, it's it's an acronym that stands for not in employment, education, or training. And NEAT is like um, it's a it's a term that you see on 4chan a lot. And it's these it's it's usually like these young guys. Maybe they're just out of school. Maybe they're a bit socially awkward. They don't have a lot of options. They're at home. Maybe 
in them parents' basement on online playing video games and on on fortune. Maybe they got some issues, you know, maybe they're on antidepressants or something like this. But they they call themselves neat because they don't they they're in such a they're in such a like unpromising place. They're they're not in education, employment or training. Like they're basically they're saying there's no future for me. There's no future for me. And a lot of it is connected with with the it's very connected with the pessimism about the future of the, the US. This is obviously like a very US based um, phenomenon. Although although people all over rec- like identify with it. But you know, the United States, like what happens when you leave school? You go up in school, you, you go to school, you learn, you get this education, you're gonna go out into the world and you're gonna get a job, you're gonna go to university and you're gonna get married and you're gonna have kids and it's the American dream, right? And then you leave school, you you either go to university and you end up $100,000 in debt, graduate university with no job and all this debt. You know, you'll, you look at the economy, you'll never be able to own a house. You'll never be able, to, you know, maybe you're sort of an awkward, a socially awkward guy and you try to be nice and all this, but but no women are interested in you. You know, that's like it's just so bleak, you know, the, the reality of the situation, you know, you have rising, that was like the most insane thing. Like, um, I put this clip in the documentary where the United, in the United States, the, um, the two leading causes of death are drug overdoses and suicides. And, and you just think, what a depressing place, you know, the, it just seems like everything is getting worse and it's, and there's no hope. And a a lot of these guys have no hope and they, they look around and they see these rich, uh, rich, like Hollywood people, rich artists, rich, um, well-connected elites, you know, basically 1%. That's all you, that's all you really need to understand their perspective as these people from the 1% who want to come down with this, this, uh, this message of he will not divide us, this, this, like, this naive, like, um, tried, uh, message, like, like, and this is going to be some highbrow art project. And so they have the, you know, to, to go back to that quote, progress, uh, regressive, regress, regressive nihilism, transgressive, 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 yeah. transgressive yeah. nihilism. Yeah. So it's like, you're, you've got nothing productive to do basically. So, so, uh, how do you, you know, what to do with all this energy and time when you're at the bottom of the food chain and you've got no hope and well, at least you can have a laugh. That's what one of the guys said. At least you can have a laugh at, at the expense of the people on the top, you know, on the top of this absolutely unfair, um, society. And so, you know, the, that's, I think, what was going on there, this transgressive nihilism, you know. Um, and a lot of people, like, that was the only purpose. Because they're not, like, a lot, not all of these guys, um, but a lot of them are just, like, in their basement and, and uh, on 4chan, and they got nothing to do. And then they see, oh, I can get one back. This is my opportunity to get one back at these, um, at these elites, you know, at these artists, these self-righteous artists, self-righteous 1%. So... Mm. Yeah, I think that, you know, I th- I think that's very, tells a lot about 
about what's going on with young people in America, you know, especially young people who aren't I mean, maybe middle class or lower middle class. It's it's not looking good for them. Trust me, I know I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. Yeah, I I feel like, you know, me uh, doing this podcast is a way of taking what uh, I, you know, what value I have and, and bringing it, you know, into a way that I can actually support myself rather than just being, you know, some uh, delivery driver or, uh, you know, shop clerk like I had been for quite a while. You know, I had other jobs in between, but for the most part, you know, they say like, I think something like 50 to 60% of the young workforce goes into driving jobs because that's really all that that's wow. available, you know, for young adult, young men. And, uh, yeah, uh, I think that's a statistic for people who go straight out of high school into the workforce. But yeah, I mean, if it wasn't for those driving jobs, I might not have, you know, listened to as many podcasts as I did and eventually <laughs> figured out, oh, it's not that hard to do this myself. So, um, yeah, I, I think that whatever's going to happen, we need folks sort of, uh, not falling to that nihilistic view of the world, you know, cause I think, mm -hmm when you get isolated and you, you, you know, you live in a world where maybe your parents aren't there or, or aren't there the way they could be or should be, you know, um, it, it feels like, okay, I'm just, I'm just here. Nobody cares about me. Right. Because the, the way our social media and the culture is geared is like, look at them, look at them, look at them, look at me, look at me, look at me. But if nobody's looking at you, you're not relevant, right? So, you know, th this that's what's kind of ironic about this art project too is because it was like this window into the world through the internet where people, you know, who were previously stuck behind their keyboard now we're like going out and trolling in person you know which is mm. kind of funny because trolling is like an online phenomena that's been taken into <laughs> the real world now you know it's kind of interesting yeah. like it, and it resulted in Shia LaBeouf uh, physically assaulting people I think three to four times on camera and eventually got arrested there but yeah it was kind of interesting to see him break like several times like just from very minor you know goofy looking kind of young guys coming over and just with a smile a grin on their face like you know saying something i mean some of the things that were said i wouldn't personally say but again it's it's in the sense of irony so as soon as you treat it seriously it becomes something else you know that in a sense shia became the victim of their kind of uh their, their joke. And it really wasn't a joke on him. It was a joke on the state of the world. I mean, that's where the, the place of humor is really coming from with a joke like that. Yeah. Yeah, completely. It, it's, have you heard of this? Um, there's this like viral quote that was going around for a while. You can still see it on fortune from time to time, but it's like born too early to, explore the the earth or to be an explorer on the world and to sorry born too late to explore the world born too early to explore the stars mm. um have you heard that it's it's like this this the basically the message is um you know i live I'm, I'm, i live in a time where there's no like call to adventure for, for you know where it's a domestic society where the, everything's been done everything's been invented everything's been explored and it it's like this 
I think there's this melancholy with young men because young men want to grow up and they watch all these movies. They watch Indiana Jones and they watch, you know, these explorers and these knights and these heroes and they want to have an adventure with their life. And then they leave, they leave, um, they become, they become adults and they realize there's like, I can't, they don't know how to have that in their life. Mm. And I don't, and I think parents, like you're right. You mentioned something about the parents. Like I don't think parents have set, um, their kids up to know how to do that. And when you have something in front of you, you know, you yearn for that. You yearn to have like an exciting life. You yearn for an adventure. And then you see, you know, Oh, okay. There's this like, group of guys there's there's this community on the internet who are who exist in on the fringe and they're sort of in this sort of secret backwards area area of the internet and you start going in there and you start you know talking with people who 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 are similarly nihilistic to you and then there's an opportunity oh there's we can go and mess with this art project and then one person's like i'm gonna go i'm gonna go mess with them you know it's like a it's like a heist, you know, it's like, mm. it's, it's like you get to live in oceans 11 or, or the Italian job. Oh, I'm going to go. And it's like, a, it's, it's your own tiny little version of, of, of oceans 11. You go, I'm going to go and show this Pepe me. And, and then the next guy goes, Oh, well I live like, I live in New Jersey, but I could take the train and I could go down and I can do that. And then everyone in the community is like, that's so funny. I can't believe you did that. You know, it becomes this escalation and they feel like, we're like this team, we're this community who's got like a purpose now. And then when the flag happens, it's like, we are going to find this flag. We're going to use, you know, this guy understands how to map the stars. This guy understands meteorology. This guy this is like knows all the frogs and all this sort of thing. <laughs> and it's like, this is like, now I get to be part of a, an adventure. I, I have, to, I get to be, even the people who didn't necessarily go that they feel like they're helping. They maybe Googled some things and, and helped with some clues mm. and they're part of something like exciting, something unpredictable, something that has, um, that has like gives them purpose and gives them meaning. And, and you might, you might think, well, that's like, maybe this isn't the most productive or like positive way to find purpose and meaning by like fucking with someone's art. <laughs> but doesn't it tell you, doesn't it tell you that young people, young men in particular have, are so starved for some sort of purpose, some sort of adventure, some sort of meaning in their life that they will they they will like t take anything that they can get basically mm. and that's what that tells me about about uh the society like we don't have the society can't offer them that yeah well and i think you know in a certain extent like they were answering a call they were writing a wrong in a certain perspective i mean you know in 2016, yeah, a lot of the most vocal in this country were unhappy about the president but I'd say the majority of people who voted for him, they were voting for him because he represented a change in 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 the the state of politics that seemed to be, mm -hmm. you know, totally uninterested in doing anything to support the average American, you know, and and yeah. whether right or left, they were both sort of equally 
becoming this authoritarian, uh, insensitive, unhelpful uh, dominator. And here comes Trump, who kind of falls into this uh, liberator archetype. And although he really, I, I mean, looking back, I don't think he, he really affected that much change. I, I mean, the jury's still out. Uh, he, he was recently uh, allegedly arrested. I don't know if that actually transpired or not, but there was talk that he was going to be arrested uh, yesterday. So, I don't know, we'll see. And I'm not exactly uh, a nihilist, but I'm certainly cynical when it comes to the government. And, uh, you know, I, I have no, you know, faith in, in Trump or whoever the left or whoever the Republican Party has to offer instead of Trump. But I definitely think that the people who were putting together that he will not divide us had no interest in the average human being they were doing something that was totally uh you know self-serving self-serving their own political identity self-serving their own political sort of uh message that doesn't really in my opinion it doesn't really uh think of itself as hypocritical but it is it totally is and you know in mm -hmm. a way I'm glad those four channers went and put a stop to that art project because it's like you know those people need to get their head out of their ass and I think that's what exactly what happened they realized like oh you're not going to be able to you know get all these people uh, sheeple you know organized here without some you know uh, clowns and wolves in the pack <laughs> you know I think mm -hmm. that's kind of the just the way humanity is but yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen in the next, you know, week or the, in the future. I, I don't really try to put my mind there. But uh, when it comes to the impact of this film, I mean, what what's the sort of silver lining for you? I mean, what what's the sort of message you're trying to get across with this? Because, you know, I, I can see maybe some people seeing this as, as like uh, showing how artists like Luke Turner... Nastya and, and Shia LaBeouf can kind of be uh, unhelpful when they're trying, you know, when they're trying to maybe in their minds do something good. Uh, you know, what what are your thoughts on that? I mean, do you think they are the dividers? Well, yeah, I, I think the the even just the statement "He will not divide us." It's so like like logically in internal the internal logic of that is just inconsistent mm. because it's it's like the this the same type of people who would be into the the he will not divide us are the kind of people who say we're against othering you know you you have all these people all these politicians who are so they they talk about us and them they're against othering Othering is wrong. I'm against othering, and everyone, everyone who's against othering is on this side. And if you're against othering, you're with me. And if you're not against othering, you're with them. <laughs> and just they don't understand that they're doing exactly that thing. And I think it's the same thing with "He will not divide us," because it's like who's him and who's us? Like, who, like is he? He's obviously Donald Trump, and us is the public. Mm. You know. Um, Anyway, so I don't know. I have no idea what the point was. It just seemed so silly. But in, in terms of the, um, like, there's always going to be division. There's always going to be, um, 
and there's always going to be these disagreements but but for for the film like what i wanted to to come across with the film is um uh, you know, I can I can I can see the struggle that these guys are dealing with. You know what we were talking about before with this sort of nihilism, this this um, this uh, transgressive nihilism, and and the response to that is totally to demonize. Like the the society's response is totally to demonize. And and my goal was to help these guys take back their story. That I think is something that is so it's, it's hard to overstate how important that is to be able to have control of your story. Um, Because if someone else, you know, if someone else has the power to tell you who you are, you know, what character you are and, and what story you're a part of, you know, you're a part of a story where, you know, like you, you're supposed to be, um, you know, you're, you're living in a country that was built on racism and, and you're, 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 uh, you have all this privilege and you're evil fundamentally and you've got to just accept that you're, you're the villain in the story and so you've got to act with your head down and you've got to act subservient and you've got to let us, the not villains, take control and we'll tell you what to do and we'll tell you how to atone for your sins. And, and you can live in that story as the villain for your whole life, or you can say, you know what? I don't accept, I don't accept to be the villain. And that's what happened with he will not divide us. You know, they, they, they had taken the, the mainstream media had taken control of the story of these guys. And they said, well, look at all these villains, you know? And I wanted to reframe the story as these guys, uh, the, the, their, uh, Kids who are sort of wet, maybe a bit edgy, a bit rude, but practical jokers and and a little bit, a little bit uh, disenfranchised with the system, and that's the reality of the situation. And when I when I came out with the film, some of these guys had reached out to me and they said, um, "Thank you for like I feel like I, I got my story back," and that was like I, that was I felt like I'd done justice to them, you know, I, to to get their story back where where. You know, there, there's some some journalist, overpaid journalist in some ivory tower that can say whatever they want and about them and, and control how other people see them. Mm. And I wanted to come in and, and, and give them their story back and get and do justice. You know, there's this whole thing. I don't know if you 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 can relate to this, but you know how people say, um, oh, they made a documentary about this. I, I love this idea because if you if a documentary comes out about like um, about, you know, Ted Bundy your friend will come and say, oh, did you hear they made a documentary about Ted Bundy? And you, no one ever asks who they is because people just assume they is like the best people, the, the <laughs> For people the who job, know yeah. the story, yeah. and the most unbiased <laughs> made it. You know, like the wow. the the universe like provided the, the documentary. And so people treat it as if it's totally fair and it's totally like the final word the 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 final word on the story and i thought if i make a documentary about it people will say hey did you hear they made a documentary about he will not divide us and it will be the final word on on the story and it, and in that way it'll give these guys back their story you know it'll 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 give them their say you know it, it'll give them their fair share and they'll be able to have their say you know rather than people writing horrible things about them 
you know, reframe it, you know, and I think that's, I think in terms of culture, that's, um, that's really important. That's really important. That's really important for people's psyche. That's really important for the way people live their lives is, is you have to be in charge of your own story. And, and when other people, people who hate you are in charge of your story, you know, it's, it's, it's not a good situation. Mm. Yeah, I agree, man. I agree. And I think there is a case to be made that those journalists are, you know, paid to do just that to, you know, mm. control the narrative and to uh, maybe even provoke these sort of clashes between the, you know, divided masses. And what one thing I, I should say, uh, the the art piece itself, I wonder what your thoughts are on this. Initially, it struck me as a vice project. Because if you're familiar with Vice Television and Vice Media, they are, they kind of have that white and black font, the same font they use. Oh yeah, and they yeah. use that in a lot of their filming. They'll like have like maybe the title of uh, of whatever episode, it, uh, you know, it'll be on a wall spray painted like in that font, or maybe like in a commercial, right? They'll have they'll they'll use that. And yeah. So it kind of struck me as like a Vice project when. Uh, I think I, I come I came across this and another thing that was kind of in that same time period is where I, I live in Connecticut, um it's not too far from New York City, there's uh these billboards in New Haven where Yale University is, and they were in uh the same exact white and black and it said something about Donald Trump and it was like I think Tom Arnold or some celebrity that had like inside information about Donald Trump and he was just like slandering Donald Trump and they put these billboards all over the place and one of them happened to be in New Haven and I remember driving by it and thinking like what is this because Donald Trump had been elected and typically you see like you know attack ads and whatnot before the election but once somebody's won it's like okay all of that's gone. We have to be respectful. This is the president, right? That's all behind us now. That's what they did with Obama. That's what they did with Bush. But with Trump, you know, it was like all bets were off. We're going to keep hammering this guy. He's not going to have one day of rest, you know? So it definitely felt like uh, this art project could have been funded by Vice because they were, you know, they were in, involved with that whole uh, political uh, ideology and and movement of Antifa and all that. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I have I never thought of that before, but you're right. It is that same vice style. But my my theory is that I think um, because these guys are big like performance art guys, they I think the font is Helvetica uh, mm. that they use, and then it's it's black and white. It's like either white on black or black on white. And so I suspect that they're like, and Helvetica within the, um, within the, what's it called? Graphic design community is known as the most neutral, the most neutral font, like, oh. like ever created. It's the like absolute neutral font. And so my theory is that maybe they just, go, okay, let's do black on white or white on black with the most neutral font ever. And we'll just, because that will not, that'll be like the font that will be scientifically least likely to draw attention away from the performance. Mm -hmm. um, Cause it's all performance art. And so, um, you know, we want it to be the most generic 
right. title ever, so people focus on the art. About so the message that's my theory design. Why that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting, and it does feel like you know with. You're mimic- mimicking this type of art that Marina Umbramovich does. You can mimic it in form, but I think inherently the way experiments and trials and performances go, each one is going to be unique in and of itself. Yeah. And we certainly yeah, see totally. a unique concophony clash of you know personalities big and small and you know people who are are there purely because of Shia LaBeouf and people who are there purely to troll Shia LaBeouf and it's just fascinating and I mean Albuquerque was really I think like a complete 180 from New York City is about as opposite as you can go I mean New Mexico and New York it even has that kind of opposite value in its in its name you know and albuquerque i mean they're they're kind of on the bottom of the list as far as like cities go i mean i, I don't know you, I, you probably went there for this project yeah. I, what were your thoughts i mean you're from australia had you been to america before uh, this project i had yeah i had i had been to uh, to america before it was cool uh albuquerque was cool but they were um it was definitely a, a wacky and wild place. Like the, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to say too much and, and dox the guys that I was with, but you know, I met some. I met some guys out there who were really cool and um, took me shooting, mm. like shooting, uh, you know, out into the desert with all these guns, AKs, ARs, big, big, massive pistols um, that you could barely shoot without dropping. Um, <laughs> That was really cool. Like you don't get you like Australia is, is pretty strict when it comes to guns. You can't you can't get any of that. Right. You can't go out to the desert and just like shoot AKs. Um, New York City was yeah, too and, for especially in 2016. They kind of loosened the gun laws because they found out that it's unconstitutional, of course. But uh, yeah. but yeah, yeah. That New York City is probably pretty similar to Australia in that respect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But out, yeah, Albuquerque, I really felt like was a very American experience. You know, mm. you know, in the desert, you see the guys riding around Harley Davidsons with no helmet on, ripping around. You got the, um, yeah, you got the. It's it's it was where Breaking Bad was filmed. So right. it was like the, the yeah, it was cool. I, I liked it. It was pretty like you could tell it was pretty dangerous. Like people were telling me, oh. Cause I was like, Oh, they're like, where are you staying? I was like, Oh, my Airbnb is in this area. And they're like, yeah, just don't go out after dark. Like once it gets dark, just stay in. <laughs> I was like, Oh geez. That's okay. always a welcoming uh, message to get when you're new to a place. Like, Oh yeah. Just make yeah. sure you're in when the sun sets. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But it was cool going to the physically going to those places. It felt like a pilgrimage, mm. like uh, really. Cause my first, the first place I went to was New York and I went, it was in Queens, like you mentioned, and you go to the museum of the moving image and you just, you stand there and you can see that that weird lot, like parking lot sort of back lot they had. And you're like, wow, this is where it all went down. Like so many memes, so many memes were born here. It was really cool, really cool to go. And then in Albuquerque, you know, you go and you're standing by the wall. You feel like um, you're in, in history i think the coolest one of the coolest things was going to tennessee where they um if you're familiar with the story 
that was where they tracked the flag. Eventually, they were able to track the flag to Tennessee, and the and Shia LaBeouf made the crucial error of getting a selfie with one of the servers at a diner in Tennessee, in Greenville, Tennessee. And so we went. I went with Mr. Clean, the um, one of the trolls there from Albuquerque. He um, graciously accompanied me to to uh, to Greenville, Tennessee, and we went together to this to have breakfast at this diner and recreated. I don't know if you remember, you, yeah, you yeah. see it briefly in the documentary. We recreated that photo <laughs> with one of the servers. That was that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, and uh, since you brought it up, uh, I wasn't going to ask you this question, but since you brought it up, you know, the way that they tracked it down was really astonishing. Like, you know, I'm not going to give away too much because it was quite a feat, but, you know, I was kind of confused when they said that the, the airplanes were kind of the, 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 like what kind of got them on the right track. How exactly can you identify an airplane by just seeing the image? Was that ever explained to you how exactly they were able to like correlate the airplane that was in the camera yeah. to the, the airplane? Cause you kind of mentioned it in the film, but I, it escaped me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you want to have the full, like the full exciting breakdown. You got you got to watch the film and see see because uh, because I managed to interview this guy who's a celestial navigation right. expert. You know he's a sailor and a and a, he knows how to navigate with the stars. He's really really uh, smart guy, and he explained it to me in this interview. I interviewed him. He explained it to me, and I said, Ah, yes, that makes sense. <laughs> and then I had to go away and review the footage and Google all the things that he was talking about. But basically. There was a number of very fortunate coincidences. Well, it was like, yeah, a coincidence, basically. So in the Northern Hemisphere, there um, it's a different night sky than the Southern Hemisphere because you're looking at different stars. And in the, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere, you can see, if you can see a star in the sky called Polaris or the North Star, mm you know that that's it's it's like point something degrees off true north it's basically true north so you can always know like navigate where you are based on polaris and so they're looking for clues they're looking in the camera they're trying to work out um where the planes are going but you know like you said what you just see a plane in the sky how how on earth are you going to know where that is so you um Basically, it was like a combination of factors. The sun sets and the stars come out, and mm. they're looking at the screen, and they can see there's a star that's not moving, and all the other stars are moving. Because Polaris is in the middle, and you see sort of the stars will, over over time, the stars will, like, rotate around Polaris. Right. That's what it looks like. Right. Um, of course, the Earth is rotating, but it's that's how it looks. And so okay, we know which way is north. And if they, they wouldn't be have been able to find it if the camera wasn't pointing north. If it was pointing any other direction without Polaris, it would have been a no-go. So they saw Polaris and they go, okay, we know which way is north. Then they, um, then uh, if they see a plane, they can use flight tracker. And and because Flight Tracker shows where all the planes are at any given moment, and and the live stream is also live as well, so you have live Flight Tracker and live video feed from the from the flag. If you can identify that plane in the live stream, then 
you can use what's called a back bearing, which is a, um, you like, if you want a deep, I better just go uh, explain this very basically, because if you want a deep explanation, it's kind of confusing. I had to watch a bunch of videos on YouTube, but essentially if you know where a landmark is at a point in time and you know, um, you know, the angle that you, the angle of like, um, uh, of degrees on the compass, where that landmark is and you can see it in your vision you can use a calculation um on a it's you learn this in orienteering any sort of orienteering boy scouts would know how to do this you can use a calculation and it will draw a line um from using that landmark and that angle of on the compass it'll draw you can draw a line on the map and because it's like a mathematical um like principle that you are because of that angle you have you must be somewhere along that line mm, right and so so you can use sort of different things so the the photo gave them the clue of where to look for the planes so they so they said okay he's got to be around this area in greenville so then they're looking for planes there and then they can identify a particular plane if they can identify that particular plane then they can use that as the landmark because they can put it on a map because of sky scanner and they can use the angle that they got from the stars and, and the angle of the camera and they can, it's complicated. You've got to watch the documentary to get the full explanation. Yeah. I, I was about to sense. say, I you, know it's a, it's a bit crazy. No, you're, you're describing it well. And maybe it helps that I saw the film already. Some kind of visualizing because the visual cues kind of really help uh, hammer home the point. But yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Like the, the, the think tank that formed around this live stream through 4chan and all anonymous too. And we should never uh, know those people's true identities. I think it's better that they're anonymous. And uh, I know the flag eventually was taken uh, back by the FBI, right? So maybe they know. Well, that's another mystery. That's another mystery. That's a conspiracy in and of itself. Um, Because, there is that it may be true, but it is, it is not, it hasn't been confirmed by anyone from, as far as I'm aware, um, it hasn't been confirmed by anyone in law enforcement or anyone who would be able to confirm it. The only person who's ever claimed this is Luke Turner. Right. Cause he made that he made a blog post and I was looking all over the internet, um, I um, was able to, you, you know, I, I, I know someone who is a journalist who was also looking to try and find that information, mm. um, and they weren't able to find anything, any evidence. So it could just be that, you know, the, the FBI doesn't make it, doesn't make like a public statement about every crime that they solve or whatever. But it could also be that um, that it was made up, you know, in, in, and he didn't actually get the flag back. Yeah, so I mean... That is... Who knows? I wouldn't put it past him. I mean, to be kind of shown up that many times, they tried to put the flag back up, I don't know, like seven different locations. And I think each time they either got trolled or the flag was stolen again. So it's like, yeah, if they made that many flags to begin with, he probably just took one of the, uh, you know, one of his copies of that flag and took a little photo op and said, we got it back, you know, saving face. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, as far as I'm aware, they they haven't um, 
like the the trio has broken up mm. uh, and they haven't made any other since that last flag that I think it ended flying on the top of a museum in France. That was like the last iteration. And it was shortly after that that the flag allegedly was, was recovered. And they hadn't done any... So after that was closed down, they hadn't done any more art. Like they hadn't done any more art uh, exhibitions or experimental art pieces or anything like that. And so I wonder if it was like, you know, we've got a, you know, we we were doing all these different art projects, all these weird different art projects, and it's got everything's dried up. Like the um, the hype's dried up, and and uh, we got to, you know, keep the what is it like? Keep the timeline fresh. Keep more. Keep the content coming. Yeah, keep and the so irons think, in the fire. Yeah, yeah. I think exactly. I think and it, it reads that way, and we we won't give away too much. But he basically threw everybody under the bus and and had all these silly photos that made it seem like neo Nazis were the only ones involved. When in all honesty, I mean, this was an ironic movement of people who you know they're just using these sacred cows as the butt of a joke. They're not actually yeah. like extremists you know yeah yeah that's the other question did those did those guys um in those photos that like you know if you if you haven't uh if you're not familiar with the story there was all these photos that came out of these guys who look like bike biker gang members um who were like burning swastikas and crosses you know typical um extreme not you know guys with swastika tattoos and very extreme looking dudes and then all these all these photos were releasing these are the guys who took the flag and you know it seems like may, it, it seems like there might be some evidence to to support that um but but lots of people are skeptical that they were the ones who actually did it i'm not sure i'm not sure what to believe um it could be you know and even if it, even if it was, you know, the the bulk of the work was done on 4chan, and then they could, and then they found it and posted like a um, a Google Maps screenshot with a little X, like this is where it is. So, it, you know, are there genuine Nazis on 4chan? Yeah, there's probably one or two genuine Nazis who are like on 4chan, and they could they could have just been someone nearby, and they come in at the last minute and, and do the deed, do the stealing, do the heisting. Um, so it could have been it could have been these guys who were like genuine Nazi guys, but um, with all the with all the mystery, with all the deception around the project, it makes it more um, difficult to believe. Mm, mm, absolutely. Now, when is this film, The Dividers? going to be released when when can people tune into that because i want to put this out you know maybe like a couple days before that way or maybe even the day of that way people can jump right over and 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 watch it yeah well good news it's 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 just come out it's been out it's been out on movies plus for about a week so very fresh and it's it's just come out on amazon prime so um if you're in the u.s you can watch it on amazon prime um yeah, so I have a link tree. I go to link tree with all the links, and I'll, you know, hopefully it'll get on iTunes, maybe down the road, and and some other places. So, I'll, yeah, I can send you the link tree if you want to share that, and then people can go and pick their favorite 
whatever their favorite one is to watch. Um, right on. But yeah, it's ready to rock. Very excited to see it out. Very, you know, people are loving it. The feedback's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm excited it's out. Awesome, awesome. Well, right on. Well, thanks, brother, for joining me, and uh, thanks for sharing this with me. I look forward to what you work on next. Any plans for uh, another film uh, in the next coming years? Yeah, well, the one idea that I am really interested in is because I love these kind of stories. You know, at the beginning of the podcast, we talked about, you know, has anyone has anyone ever heard of a story like this before? This, like, these this group of anonymous people online, you know, this grassroots anti-establishment, anti-the man movement, um, edgy. Um, and the only other story I can think of is the GameStop Wall Street bets short squeeze. Are you familiar with that story? Yeah, yeah, I remember that. A lot of uh, talk about that for a bit and then, uh, you know, radio silence. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, uh, you know, I, I was like, I really want to do a documentary about this. That would be so good. And then November last year, I think it was November, October, maybe last year, Netflix dropped a three-part documentary miniseries about just that, mm. about the, and, and I was like, oh no, they got to it first. They made a documentary <laughs> about Wall Street bets, uh, about the, about the GameStop short squeeze. And I thought, um, so I, I sat down and I watched it and I was like, um, it's cut like, it's a bit cringe. That's the, <laughs> that's the problem. Like it's, it's supposed, it's trying to be very funny and silly and trying to connect with this internet, um, with this internet uh, culture, but it comes across very cringe and the humor is very like buzzfeedy. Mm. It's, it seems a little bit forced, like the people behind it, you know, weren't really passionate about this. So I was a bit down for a while and then I was like, you know what, I should just make a documentary and make it better, uh, better than that. Make it more like more funny and, and more edgy. Mm. So who knows? I, 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 I've started writing a concept, you know, um, but yeah, I would love to do that. That would be really cool. I think a documentary about, about the wall street, that's GameStop short squeeze. Right on, right on. Well, I am a fan of the dividers, so I'm excited to see what you come out with next. A lot of ups and downs, highs and lows. You had me going with it and, uh, and yeah, I couldn't recommend it enough. So please send me that link tree link and I'm going to throw that in the description. So folks listening, click over and watch that right now. Support our friend here because we need to put, uh, you guys like you in the spotlight, Josiah, for, for being transparent in this medium that I think gets taken advantage of to do exactly what we've talked about today, where, where they, they control the narrative. So yeah, man, good on you for, for the, the work. And I, I look forward to the next one. Thank you so much, Mark. Thank you. Right on. All right, folks. Thank you for tuning in. And immerse yourself in the moment wherever you are in the now and uh, tune into the dividers. Peace.
All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is our interview with the man behind the dividers, Josiah McGarvey. And what a film. I loved it. You may have heard Sam Johnny complaining about me on a broken simulation because of something that happened at the end of the film. And uh, since we're here in the outro, uh, don't listen to this part if you haven't seen the film yet. Better yet, pause here and come back and listen after you watch the entire film. I Usually when I tell people, hey, watch a film, I expect them to you know, watch the whole thing, right? So uh, anyways, since you're here after the spoiler, the spoiler alert, uh, Sam Hyde at the end of the movie basically says that what he said during the movie was all a lie which means that he never met Luke Turner, he never went to school with Luke Turner, and he never went to this art thing that uh, takes up a big chunk of the film. So, yeah, that's kind of important. If that never happened, then that kind of takes the conversation in a different direction. I think I alluded to that during this interview, which, of course, occurred uh, before Josiah was on Tinfoil Hat. Um, and then I thought this guy is so interesting. So is the film. I got to book him on tinfoil hat. I don't care if it's earlier than this show because I love Sam. I love Johnny. I love XG. Shout out to XG. He didn't throw any shade. He's always cool, but, uh, no, no harm. Sam and Johnny are just ribbing me. They're just joking around and I'm glad to be involved. Uh, it's better than what is it bad publicity is better than no publicity right so i'll take what i can get from johnny and sam uh johnny is particular so don't blame him but yeah that was funny they gave me a shout out in the title of the episode because of uh josiah and his film so the trolling goes around uh, always and of course, if you want to hear more excellent content like today's show, go over to the Patreon, go over to the Substack or the Rockfin, and you can access the full catalog for $5 a month. That's right, just $5 a month, $8 on Substack. And if you sign up on the $8 tier on Patreon, I will automatically uh, put you into the Substack. So that is the best deal there is and i even gave the eight dollar substack thing to people who were a part of the patreon and then canceled so (laughs) if you're wondering um go and check your email if you didn't get that or if you did get it and you're wondering why i gave you a free substack uh for a year trial well that's why so anyways yeah that's how i'm gonna do it if the free subscription lapses at any point just hit me up let me know tell me your email and i'll make sure that you in fact did subscribe to the eight dollar tier but that is the best deal on the patreon you get all the bonus content you get early access to this episode and more so yeah come on over check out the new show that i'm putting together of course you can check out esoteric america for free we release the episodes early on rockfin and then they go to youtube usually on thursdays and yeah that's all for today folks thank you for tuning in go check out the dividers the link is in the description 
my movies plus is the way you can uh, access it and that's kind of like an uncensored netflix it's a very cool service and i know sam endorses it so go and check it out my movies plus you can watch the dividers there and a bunch of other really great films so thank you for listening and enjoy the moment wherever you are in the now and one last thing we got to give a big shout out to the hit kit the number one way to get it i gotta say the hit kit sent me some amazing products over the past few months from their classic hit kit swiss kit to the dank bank stash box i love it it's the best way to hold all of your smoking devices and accessories whether you're a blunt guy like me or you smoke joints maybe you smoke spliffs it's a really good way to keep everything safe you don't want to be throwing something like that in your pocket next thing you know you got a mess you got to take your pants to the dry cleaner you got to try and salvage whatever weed was wasted in your jean pockets don't do that put it in a hit kit and stay lit all right that's it peace Terrestrial, trying to stay human in a cesspool of professionals. But I confess too much off of the tongue. All my aunties and my uncles shield the ears of the young. I be saying shit and they don't know where it's coming from. In like a hundred years, we went saw a bomb before guns. Check the facts, check the Fed, check the stars. Stanley Mines was murked for a water fuel cell car. They each they own, you could stick with your own ways. But eat the rich, you drink the motherfucking Kool Aid. And I can see the red on your lip stain. White skin, blue collar, pure American made. Fuck it. Keep your blood soaked heritage And run the soul off the moon landed narrative Yeah, my girl thinks that I'm embarrassing My folks think I'm nuts but never question the parenting Stuck in bed so my boss thinks I'm lazy Connecting dots but it's all kinda hazy Good morning in the net feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My pack thinks I'm un-American and shady Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You could tell me that the president's an alien It wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Think that I'm off in the deep end. One too many Netflix docs on the weekends. But check the budget for a military defense. Tell me we ain't scared of something not within reason. Steel beams, another 1492. And 9-11 was the red, white, and blue. And you be lit off the floor, and ain't got a clue. All your dreams just shit on a Rockefeller shoes. Don't believe a damn thing a politician ever said. Ain't one brick left to go up in the Fed. They still got bricks of cocaine to make crack. Oxy's killing the working class, FDA's whack. Talking like this, got kids talking behind backs. Too much to unpack, so they talk smack. And I'm just trying to converse with my clan, but it ain't fan. So I'm here setting up camp. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. Connecting dots, but it's all kinda hazy. Good morning in the net, feeling like I'm Dick Tracy. My pack thinks I'm on American and shady. Yeah, I'm feeling unhinged lately. Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily. You could tell me that the president's an alien, it wouldn't phase me. My family thinks I'm crazy. Stuck in bed, so my boss thinks I'm lazy. 
and die for the talk I'm crazy, I'm on the internet feeling like I'm Dick Tracy My path thinks I'm on the marriage and it's shady I'm feeling unhinged lately Encounters of the fifth kind on the daily You can tell me that the president's an atheist And it wouldn't phase me My family thinks I'm crazy Learned is you can't rule anything out, so you know, maybe I am. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.